It's a little sermon from a phrase in the book of Galatians. So turn to the book of Galatians, if you would. Um, some time ago, Travis was leading us through Galatians, and uh, as he was preaching, this particular phrase came up, and it really struck me. And I've been thinking about it off and on ever since. He talked a little bit about it, but it was one of those things that's like I had never seen it before. And I wondered, what does that mean and how does it apply today? And that's what my sermon is about, is about that little phrase. Now, before we jump into it, I've got to remind you guys of the context of the book of Galatians. Right? we always got to look at the context. Remember that Galatians is written to those turning from the clear gospel of Jesus to another gospel. In chapter 1, verse 6, Paul writes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul says, I can't believe it. You're turning away from Jesus. So that's the context that Paul writes, and his message is best summed up by chapter 2, verse 16. He says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Christ alone through faith alone. Do you remember that from Travis's sermons, right? So that's the whole context of the book of Galatians. Now, The section I want to read today, which contains this phrase, is in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. So I'm going to read chapter 3 of Galatians 1 through 5. Oh, foolish Galatians, Paul says, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit in you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So Paul asks a bunch of these questions and he reminds the Galatians, remember, these Galatian people were deserting Jesus. So he reminds them of three things in these five verses. First of all, in verse one, he reminds them of their experience with Jesus the Savior. In verses 2 through 4, he reminds them of their experience with the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 5, guess what he reminds them of? The the superabundance of the generosity of God the Father and his miraculous work among them. So he reminds them of their experience with the Godhead, the Son, the Spirit, and the Father. And he is basically saying, don't be foolish. 
You have experienced the Godhead in all its power. You've experienced Jesus. You've experienced the Spirit. You've experienced the Father. How could you turn away? How could you leave this? Well, it's pretty easy, isn't it? It's pretty easy. (laughs) It's pretty easy to begin in the grace of God and then decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to keep a bunch of laws and I'm going to go to church every Sunday and I'm going to go to Wednesday night Bible study and I'm set. And I'm going to keep the law and I'm going to be moral and I'm going to be good. And, you know, I'm just going to kind of leave God off to the side and I'm going to desert Jesus. So these words are relevant today. Particularly among our young people. You guys are the exceptions. You have not deserted Jesus. You have not left the faith. You have not left the Father. You have not left the Spirit. You have continued on. And I beg you to continue. Do not leave Jesus. Do not desert him. Do not go about doing it on your own. So, that's the context. Now, what was this phrase that got me all interested? The phrase that caught my attention so many months ago, probably six months ago, was in verse 1. Paul says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And I wondered, what did that look like back then? What did they mean? What did Paul mean by Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? What did they do? How was that accomplished? And secondly, should we do that today? You and I, as Christians in the Patent Church, should we somehow publicly portray Jesus as crucified? Well, the answer is yes. And I think there's three ways we do that. Three ways that we publicly portray Jesus as crucified. But before I give you those three ways, I have to define three terms. The first one is foolish. Twice in this section, oh foolish Galatians, Paul says. Verse three, are you so foolish? Now I'm an expert (laughs) on foolishness. Rich knows. Every day at work, there's a topic that comes up, and it's something foolish. And I love to talk about it, and I love to get people going. And uh, last week, it was uh, um, My Pillow. We talked about My Pillow one day. You know the commercials from My Pillow? Yeah, we talked about that. So, what, what does it mean to be foolish? It doesn't mean some kind of mental deficiency. What does Paul mean by that? It means a spiritual deficiency. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It means that someone foolish is choosing the wrong thing. 
That's what Paul means by foolish. You're choosing the wrong thing. You're deserting Jesus, and you're going about keeping the law, which doesn't save you. Faith alone through Christ alone. So when you're foolish, you're choosing the wrong thing. The second word is bewitched. Paul says, who has bewitched you? Does that refer to the 1960s television show by the same title? Yes, the nose, right? That might be the topic for a work tomorrow, bewitched. The fact that there were two Darrens, right? You remember that? There were two Darrens. That always bothered me. It, it doesn't mean to be misled by a, by a spell or sorcery or the nose thing. Boy, if I could move my nose, that would be something else, wouldn't it? It means to be misled by flattery. Or false promises. You can do it yourself. You know, you're, you're a really good person. And you really, you know, God's going to accept you based upon your merits. Yes, you've begun in the Spirit. Yes, you've, you've gone to the cross. Yes, you've accepted Jesus. But really now it's up to you. Keep your salvation. That's being bewitched. And the third term is this one publicly portrayed. What, is, what does Paul mean by that? What does the Greek word mean? It means to vividly or graphically paint a picture for all to see. To vividly or graphically paint a picture for all to see. So these three words mean don't be spiritually deficient by being misled by something that tickles your fancy and sounds really good. You saw the drama of the cross and that profoundly affected you such that you experienced the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't desert that, Paul says. So how was Jesus publicly portrayed as crucified? Three ways. Way number one. Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified by preaching the gospel. By preaching the gospel. And that's the primary means that Paul's referring to here. In verse 5, he mentions that the Galatians, they, they were hearing with faith. The implication is that a graphic verbal picture of the cross was painted, and the Galatians heard it, and their lives were profoundly changed. So what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for you and I? It means this. In order for you and I not to be foolish, 
Our gospel message must focus on the crucifixion of Jesus. Our gospel message must contain that. It must have the cross in it. We have a tendency sometimes to shy away from or apologize for the horrors of the cross. We may describe Jesus as a good teacher and leave it at that, and he was a good teacher. We may describe Jesus as a good example, and he was a good example, and we may leave it at that. We may say he was a good storyteller. We may say that he loved his father and was obedient. All those things are true. But if we leave out the cross, we have left out everything. We might say, oh, Jesus loves you. And we forget to explain that by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, 1 John 3.16. He laid down his life, the cross. Or we may make the gospel into a bunch of rules for living our lives that turn us into good and moral people. That's what the Galatians were doing and that's what you and I sometimes do. The gospel doesn't tell us how to live that God might accept us, it tells us graphically what Jesus has already done for us at the cross. So in order for the gospel to be effective, we must describe our Savior as a sacrifice, a sacrifice that took our place and took our punishment in the most violent location the world has ever known, the cross of Calvary. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul insists, we preach Christ crucified. In chapter 2, verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why does Paul insist upon that? Because the cross must be the focus of the gospel in order not to be foolish. Our gospel message must focus on the crucifixion of Jesus and what it means. Secondly, how is Jesus publicly portrayed as crucified? Here's another way. Not the primary way, but another way that came to mind. Jesus is publicly portrayed as crucified by our individual testimony. What do I mean by that? I'm just going to turn over to Mark's gospel, chapter 8. Jesus has something quite uh, interesting to say about what you must do to follow him. Mark 8, verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would, would, would call me rabbi, teacher, if anyone would throw their lot in with me, if anyone would, would, would just take up and be with me, 
let him deny himself. And let him take up his cross daily, Jesus says. And follow me. For whoever who would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, if you want to accept me, if you want me to be your rabbi and teacher, if you want me to be your savior, deny yourself. Death to self, life to God. That's the Christian method. You must humble yourself. You must sacrifice yourself. Philippians chapter 2 says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then there are seven descriptions of Jesus going to the cross. In order not to be foolish, in 2018, we must publicly portray Jesus as crucified by our individual testimony of taking up our cross, denying ourselves, serving others, and humility. We act out the cross by doing that. Do you understand? Thirdly, Jesus is publicly portrayed as crucified by our corporate display. Before it was the individual display of, of, of taking up your cross daily. Our corporate display of the cross through what? Through our communion service, the first Sunday of every month. First Corinthians eleven twenty six says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what? You proclaim, you announce the Lord's death. Till he comes. Our, in this church, we have tried very hard to make that communion service on the first Sunday of the month not an afterthought, not something tacked on in the last five minutes that we rush through. We've tried very hard to make it integral to the whole Sunday service on that first Sunday. The music that we choose, the sermon that we preach should focus us on what? On the cross. And the communion service is a time where you and I act out a drama of the cross with these emblems. The bread, his body broken. The cup, his blood shed. We act it out. We see the body broken. We see the bread broken. We take a piece of it. We participate in it. We have common thoughts together. That's what the word communion means. It means common thoughts. We have common thoughts of Jesus and the cross because we show forth his death until he comes. In order not to be foolish, our church worship must include regular, focused observance of the crucifixion of Jesus through communion. So in these three ways, by preaching the gospel that focuses on the cross, by taking up our cross daily and being like Jesus and following him, 
and by displaying the cross through communion. We are safeguarded against being foolish. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this little verse in Galatians. It is short, but it is so full of meaning as we think of how Jesus, 2,000 years later, is displayed publicly by what we say and what we do individually and corporately. Help us, Father, not to be foolish. Help us, Father, to not turn and desert Jesus, but be fully immersed in the cross of Christ, enjoying the gift of the Spirit which sanctifies us. We thank you, Father, for your generosity in that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.